Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand business show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Ian Paget. I want to inspire people and show people that you can do this. You just need to decide that you want to do this and go out there and do it. And, you know, so I've got this genuine desire to help. So for me, it's not about the money. I'm on a, you know, personal journey but then I obviously need to find ways of monetizing it so that I can put more time and energy into that and and my book is the start of that but there will always 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 be free resources. Hi there and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name is Bob Gentle and every week I speak to incredible people who share their secrets to building, marketing and monetizing your business and the mindset you need for your business to grow and thrive. Now, if you're new to the show, take a second while you still have that device in your hand and hit the subscribe button. And if you're on YouTube, you could also leave a comment and give the video a thumbs up and that would make you awesome. You'd make my day because YouTube needs every single subscriber. So this week, I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation. I speak to lots of people about lots of different things, but one of the things that I'm most interested in is specialization. Specialization is one of these things where the more you specialize, the more you can lean into your zone of genius, the more differentiated you can become. And by extension, so often the more successful you can become. But a lot of people really struggle with that. And today I am thrilled to be speaking to Ian Paget about logo design, graphic design, but more than anything else, how he's made such a ridiculously tight niche in graphic design work and all the other things that are going on in his work. So Ian, welcome to the show. Hey Bob, it's really good to be back on the show. It's uh, good to see your face. Like I said, prior to hitting that record button, it's, it's, it's good to catch up. And with you, I always get really excited because I'm I come from a graphic design background. I ran what was essentially a creative agency for about 15 years. It's not what I do anymore because like you, I wanted to specialize in something that was much more about taking a particular person on a particular kind of journey. You have specialized particularly into logo design for the listener. Go and Google logo design. And once you get past all the free AI logo designers, you'll find Ian, the number one logo designer on Google, which I th- I was assuming that would be the case. And it was the case that Ian. Hopefully I can keep it there. <laughs> so Ian, for the listeners meeting for the first time, can you maybe just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what kind of work you actually do rather than me destroying? Yeah, sure. Sure. So my name's Ian, as you mentioned. I'm a graphic designer. I've been doing that for gosh, like probably about 20 years now. It's been a while. And what I do day to day now is all focused primarily around logo design. So there's there's essentially two sides to what I'm doing. I have my service side of the business, so working directly with clients. Um, generally, I, I work with them on their logo and often other things as well once we've done that logo. And then the other side of the business is developing a community and creating resources for other people that are interested in logo design. And more recently, the the core focus of what I'm doing is to help creatives make a living designing logos. So I've recently I've created a book, but I've 
I've been working on like a podcast community, blog, all sorts of other stuff. I've got like a massive vision for everything. And it's it's pretty cool to think that I had an idea, you know, 10 years ago and it's all starting to come together. It's really nice to see that when you have, when, when you focus on like a future projection of where you see things, if you continually work on it daily in some capacity, those things will start falling into place eventually. And that's where I feel where I am right now, which is very exciting. Yeah, it's it's the magical power of compounding over time. These tiny little mm-hmm. steps, if you just keep moving, they do add up into oh, absolutely. significant absolutely. momentum over time. So I'm going to start with the brutal question first, because when I, I meet someone like you, you've got a quite, you described quite a diverse commercial ecosystem system to use some fancy words. But I'm always curious to know what proportion of revenue comes from what different kind of activity, because logo design is what you're known for, but obviously you've written a book. It's been ridiculously successful on Kickstarter. We can talk about that in a minute. You've also got community. You've also got podcasts, which I know gets sponsorship. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for you in general? That's a really interesting question. So right here, right now, here today, I've, I have needed to pause my podcast so that I can focus on time with my daughter. But from September onwards, she starts school. So I will be putting focus back on it. But it, because of that right here, right now, the bulk of my income comes from client work. Mm. So pretty much all of the clients that approach me are looking for logo design. And then a fairly, like probably like 10% of those people usually want other things. And because I've got a, a strong background in, in graphic design, like I've done everything through my career, I can help with all sorts of stuff. And if they're happy to work with me and they like working with me, you know, quite frequently I get work thrown at me in some capacity, whether that's, um, you know, working on things like stationery or helping with web design stuff you know I, I get work in that way as well but the the bulk of my monthly income is specifically from logo design speaking more generally so when I did have my podcast weekly and I had more of a focus on that which I will divert the attention back to that it was probably about a third of my income that came from that and I think that's obviously much more scalable as well because with with graphic design services there's only so many hours in the day but when you're building a community there's obviously revenue that can come from that and it's it's not my it's not my main priority like i i genuinely do want to help people like something that i've i've found by having a facebook group you get a lot of designers especially the 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 younger people that came out of school like I didn't go to university to learn graphic design but my careers advisor at at you know secondary school she told me that I wouldn't be able to be a graphic designer unless I went to university and I how like I don't know if this is still happening now but it really wouldn't surprise me and it's just I you know I've I've got this drive I really want to have like I I want to inspire people and show people that you can you can do this you just need to decide that you want to do this and go out there and do it and you know so I've got this genuine desire to help so for me it's not about the money I'm on a 
you know, personal journey, but then I need to, I obviously need to find ways of monetizing it so that I can put more time and energy into that. And, and my book is the start of that, but there will always, always, always be free resources. I would, I, I am more than happy just to give everything and create it away for free. And you mostly do. I, I've been on your website. There's a ridiculous amount of incredible resource there for free. Yeah. I know somebody actually asked me, they, they interviewed me and they was a bit concerned about me saying too much about my book. And it's like, no, I can sit here and read the whole book if you want. <laughs> I, I don't like, it's, it's not, I'm, I'm, I don't put a paywall around it. It's more, you know, I just want, I just want to get into as many people's hands as possible and to help as many people. So that's always going to be my focus. And, you know, if people want to eventually buy things that will help them, then I will start to make that available. But all the resources and all that knowledge will always be free in some capacity. I think what you've done an amazing job of is building an audience. And mm -hmm. one thing that I know is that with audience comes opportunity. And that's what is paying the bills for you. So you, you present as very modest. And I don't think your generosity is by design. It's in your nature. But that nature is what has led to a productive, profitable business and a really solid profile in the industry. You are, like I said, number one on Google. Doesn't happen by accident. I know you've probably put a little bit of work into it. But I know what I'm doing on that side. <laughs> well, you do, but yeah. you can't become number one on Google on your own. You can only do it when the internet supports that. Mm -hmm. In in your space, it's impossible unless you've got mm -hmm. a massive amount of incoming traffic. And there are only a limited number of ways you can generate incoming traffic. And one of them is by being incredibly valuable. And your website is incredibly valuable. That's why people link to it. So one thing I'm curious, because niching or specialization into something like logo design, and it doesn't matter if it's logo design or if it's hairdressing for people who only cut their hair on the full moon specialization ex exists in lots of different forms but like i mentioned before with audience comes opportunity and largely the opportunity to specialize and lean into your zone of genius if you were a graphic designer doing business in a local community and somebody said to you ian could you walk my dog you'd probably have to say yes but because you have a very large audience you don't have to do that. So I'm curious to know what that journey towards specialization looked like for you. And if you have any advice for anybody who's thinking to themselves, I can't niche. My, the world just won't support that. Sure. sure. Okay. Um, so everything I've done has been very organic. It hasn't been intentional. So how how the the idea of logo geek originally began was that i i used to I, in my full-time job i did the occasional logo so i started to do it in in this job but the only thing is it wasn't very often like it was primarily like web design job so usually the the companies already had everything but the occasional thing came up and uh, you know i i always enjoyed working on that type of thing and in my free time, I just finished a large personal project and I wanted to start working on smaller projects 
you know, after working on a huge long-term uh, project that spanned over several years, the idea of logo design came up in conversation. I didn't have much experience around it then, but I thought, yeah, this sounds cool. Like, and, and really, this was just a side, fun side project. So never about the money. So, you know, friends that wanted logos, I, I did them for them. And, you know, family, family and friends, I did it either for free or for cheap. And I would put it on a website and I wanted to learn more about this area so that in my full-time job, I could start to apply this knowledge. Because that's always been my focus is, you know, advancing in my career, being hired by somebody else. So, you know, I was gradually just, you know, designing stuff, sharing it, writing a blog. My blogs wasn't even very good back then. I have, I've, my, my writing ability has improved significantly over the years. But, you know, gradually, like this was over a very slow period of time. I'd, I'd, I'd had my website, uh, initially free stuff, friends and family, and then like old work friends that I haven't spoken to in like 10 plus years got in touch, needing a logo, like old work colleagues. So people I was connected to that could see what I was doing because I was sharing it on social media. Uh, and then one day somebody I didn't know inquired through my website. And that really threw me off because, you know, the, the website I built wasn't particularly very good. I, I did writing, but it had spelling mistakes in it, which I was aware of. Like this was intended just for me, just for fun, just to, you know, continue learning and progressing in some capacity. And it kind of went from there. Like it kept growing and growing and growing. I started, I started to make a routine on, Twitter. So in my full-time job, they hired somebody that could help with social media and they was added onto my team because I kept pushing the, even though I focused on graphic design, I kept pushing the owners that we need to do this stuff. Like this was when, you know, when Twitter came out and I, all these social media platforms came out. So this is like, you know, 10 years ago or so. And I was always pushing it. So they put that person on my team to, and I needed to manage her. So I started to learn some really interesting like growth hack stuff for social media. And, you know, the the company never ended up doing any of that stuff, which was a real shame. Like to them, it was just a waste of money, waste of time. I started doing it myself. <laughs> and I made this routine that every day, Every single day when I woke up for work, and this would be like 6.30 a.m. in the morning, get out of bed, first thing I did was posted on social media. And I just made this my routine and, you know, used some of these growth hacky things that don't work now, but they did then. And I started to build up this audience, that, and you really got this compound effect. So that impacted this thing, that impacted that. And then my website started to rank on Google and, you know, <laughs> domino effect. It it meant that I was just getting inquiries through my website, getting emails, building an audience and stuff like that. I was still in a full-time job throughout this whole process. It was exciting, but it was also very stressful because I had a demanding full-time job. And at that point, I was like a creative director for the company. So it was a demanding job. I'd have to wake up early. I'd come home quite late. 
I'd end up working late and stuff like that. And then I'd come home and I'd I'd have to reply to all these emails that came in and and try and keep on top of it. So for a long time, I I seriously questioned whether I wanted to do that. Like I I felt like I needed to choose between the two, and I did. I thought, yeah, I'm going to focus on my full time job. But I could never cut the cord on my side project because it was doing so well. And um, it took my mum passing away to, you know, to start to question to myself, do I want to regret anything in life? And I know if I cut the cord on that and never did anything with it, I would regret it. And my God, I am so glad that I jumped ship because... I, I did eventually hand in my notice. They gave me a part-time position and everything came at the right time because because I know that was going to happen. I started working so hard on my on my website. So I redesigned like all my main pages. I booked in as much work as I can. Like, I said yes to everything um, that was coming my way. And like a couple of months after going part-time, I actually had a call from Cambridge University to, des- to design a logo. And while previously when working on the side, I I used to just send emails and like I would never pick up the phone to speak to somebody. But I suddenly had time to speak to them on the phone. Mm. I suddenly had time to put together nice formal proposal documents. I suddenly had time to do everything the way that I wanted to. And uh, I got that project. I mean, I'm somebody I was told at school that I couldn't be a designer if I didn't go to university. I didn't go to university. And I just got hired by one of the biggest universities in the entire world off my own back to design a logo. And that was just mind-blowing. I've done two logos for them now. I've done I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've done, yeah, a lot of pretty decent things. But as you can see, it's been very organic. Yeah. Like it, it hasn't been an intentional thing. It's happened very naturally, but... I believe if you want to do something and you you do it and you work towards a long-term vision, you will get there. It's just inevitable. But most people give up too soon. I think the careers advisors at school, they did tell me that I couldn't become a ninja space pirate. And actually they <laughs> were right. But actually, if it's within the realms of if anybody does this job, you probably can do it by just consistently taking the small steps towards it. I think there are some jobs that I'm very, very few that require formal qualifications. Like you, I didn't go to university and it hasn't really caused me a day of issue. There's not a single client has ever asked me if I've been to university or asked to see any qualifications. In the design industry, in the creative industry, it's all about what you've done and what you can do. It's not about... Portfolio and reputation. So what I love about the way you describe that is it's, it's really about following curiosity. It's about following what lights you up. And I think a lot of people are scared to go that journey, to follow that path. And I think they think that it has to be an all or nothing. And I think a lot of the time people have a bit of an ego issue thinking, well, if I'm going to set up my own business, then I want to have everything the same as I do in my permanent job. And if I can't have that, I'm not going to try. And what you described was a beautifully incremental process of tiny little bits of dabbling that gradually grew and grew and grew and grew and grew until the point where you stepped into the full-time 
independent business, it was as natural as breathing. I mean, obviously it was scary, mm-hmm. but you crossed the bridge into a functional business, which is, it's not impossible for anybody, but so few people do it. Now, this kind of brings me to the purpose of your book, the how to make a living designing logos. I just want to correct you. It's not a how-to book. Well, sorry, I was intentional, and I, I, I can, t- I can talk through the the reason why I've done that. If if it would be helpful, go on. <laughs> Making a living designing logos is the actual. Sure, sure. So, so when when I first had the idea for this book, it was very early on. So when I when I started to become obsessed with the idea of logo design. I started to read every book I could find, every social post, everything. And and this was driven by this desire to share daily on social media. So so that drove my obsession essentially. And I found this like weird pattern with the books that that there was no book that explained everything. You'd read one book and it was different, you read another book and I was thinking you know, there's, there's a great like nugget of information in that one, a really great nugget. And like you, you learn like with, with design books, you learn something different from every book. And I was thinking back then, oh, it would be really great if all of this stuff was put into, you know, like the ultimate guide to logo design. And that kind of sowed the seeds for this idea that, you know, maybe I should write that book. That was a long time ago. That, that was about 10 years ago. So that sowed the seeds for it. When I eventually started to work on my book, I started to write that how-to book. And I found it really hard because it needed to be written in a certain way. And also I had this confliction in my head, like, but there isn't, like, that isn't the way that you do it. You could also do it this way or this way or this way or this way. And I know I could write all of those options down, but it didn't really make any sense. So what I started to do and what felt more comfortable to to write was what I've done, what's worked for me. So the whole book, the the whole idea of the book started to become a book from my perspective. So how I've made a living designer logos with the goal to inspire people to find their own route of doing it. So at the beginning of the book, it actually clearly states, I want to help you make a living designer. I want to help you make a live, living design logos, but there's not just one way to do it. Yeah. And that's how we, we start the book. So I, I really want to make it clear that it's, it's not a how-to book because there isn't a single way of doing it. And it's, it's, in, it's written in a way that goes alongside my podcast. And then I can use my podcast in, as an extension of this book to share how other people have made a living designer logos. I can go into areas that I don't know anything about and learn from an expert. So people can join me in the journey. And then, you know, at a later date, maybe I can update the book from lessons. So really it's 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 a book that that explains, you know, how you learned how you need to go about designing logos. And again, I've 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 been very firm on explaining what I believe in. Because again, if you read lots of different books, there's different categories of logos and all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's quite confusing, but you know, running through, like, how did I get my first client? How, how do I sell logos? How did I sell logos when I started out? How do I do it now? Why did I do it differently? All stuff like that. So 
So it should hopefully inspire people to really just start and and to see how I did it differently when I started versus how I do it now. And I'm not saying at any point that I'm the best designer or this is the right way, but it's very clear. It's like this this has worked for me. Might not work for you, but at least you got some point of reference to be inspired by. And I make it very clear to just learn from everything, be inspired by it and find your own your own approach for make to to make a living designer legos i think what's really interesting about that approach is whenever we see somebody really really successful we assume that they just fell to earth that way (laughs) and what we don't understand is what the trials and tribulations on that journey were like and how they overcame them what were the monsters how did they battle them these are i'm very honest in it it's quite scary that this book's going out because even my sisters like said this is really honest ian (laughs) But understanding how somebody else handled that journey puts your business and where you are on your journey in context. And that's so important. Mm -hmm. When you see somebody who has a business that seems to be thriving, we assume, oh, they must just be smarter than me. They must just have been luckier than me. But if if you were to actually sit down and have a conversation with them, as I'm lucky enough to get to do on the podcast all the time, which for me is the best part of being on a podcast, is you can deconstruct with them what that journey looked like. And the more often you do that, the easier that journey becomes because you can anticipate the monsters. Mm -hmm. You can anticipate what's going to be difficult. And you've had lots of people tell you stories in advance of how they dealt with them. And I think for a very particular kind of person, your book is golden. So I love that you didn't make it out. It makes it, it should make it more relatable. And, you know, also what's quite interesting, nobody else could write this book. Mm. This it is only I can write that book. Yeah. And that's, that's what made it, you know, I, I got quite excited about it once I realized it's like, oh, this is really interesting that, you know, I've, I've had this idea for writing like a book about logo design. And then there's obviously loads of design books. And my original idea was basically something that's already been done you know, hundreds of times, but this is something very unique, very specific. And even if you have all of the other Lego design books, you don't have that one. Like it's, it's very unique, very personal. And yeah. (laughs) One of the things that I like about this is a lot of agency owners and designers, they're not very quick to admit to shortcomings because Mm -hmm. admitting to weaknesses, especially in a corporate or a commercial environment, it can be held against you a lot of the time, as I'm sure you've experienced. Vulnerability is not a strength (laughs) in the creative industries. Or in my experience, it hasn't been. I'm sure that's a blanket statement that isn't justified. But one of the things that you regularly do is you are vulnerable, but also exceptionally generous in the way that you lift up others. One of the things that I noticed straight away, simply scrolling through your social media, is you're as ready to show other people's work as you are your own. And Mm -hmm. that's really unusual, actually, across many industries. It's really odd for one organization in in a vertical market to point at essentially a competitor and say, look at this, they've done a fantastic job here. And you do it all the time. And I'm interested to know 
is that strategic? Is that just personal nature? It's hard to answer. And I think this is something that I look at and I immediately think, I want to do this because I can see so much power in it. Yeah, so sharing stuff on social media, the the bulk of people that follow me actively are other designers. Clients clients don't follow me. They discover me. They don't follow me. I mean, they, they do follow me once they've started working with me, but the the initial attraction is is different so everything that i'm doing day-to-day actively on social media my my assumed audience is other designers so sharing my work their work whatever you know if somebody does good work you should show it like it's i like for me it's inspiring i think what they've done is amazing and there's so many designers that are just you know i i really it's something i really love about the design industry is that everybody is there to support each other and i've really noticed that with my book like i've it it, i mean with the exception of like you know a small one percent that won't do this everyone else is just really just behind it and supporting it and shouting about it and it, it it's you know really quite magical when you think about it like that but in terms of like content on my website, if you if you do everything the way that you're supposed to, and I speak about this in the book, so if I listen to everything that was explained at Youpreneur Summit and the way that everybody is supposed to run a business, you would work out exactly the type of person that you're wanting to target. You would create content that speaks to them, blah, blah, blah. And yes, I do agree that that, probably works and i i am planning at some point to explore that as a potential direction but right here right now clients don't read blogs about (laughs) they don't care they literally will they will literally find the website think oh he does great work and then they will send an email they don't spend time reading my blogs they don't spend time listening to my podcasts if they do, it's just because they want to have an understanding and just see if this guy knows what he's talking about. And if I'm there, the person that's interviewing designers, writing about logo design, now got a book about that, it gives so much credibility to me mm. more than anyone else that I have on my podcast. And yes, I'm sure the occasional client that comes on my website does go to somebody else, but they can access Google anyway. Like they can, they can still find that stuff and see what's out there. So how I see it, I'm creating content that just shows that I know what I'm talking about and that I have a passion and an interest for this topic. And like I said, that, that decision from clients, and I'm assuming here, I haven't done any, like, I haven't really looked into it, but my assumption is they find the website, he could do the job, send a message. I bet the decision is that fast. I think you're right. One of the standout things again with your book is you didn't just Amazon print on demand. This is Kickstarter. I was going to. <laughs> um, so what what was it that drove the decision to go the Kickstarter route rather than sure. publisher or just another paperback on Amazon? Sure. So I didn't go the publisher route because I didn't think that I could actually write the book <laughs> because I've wanted to do it for a long, long time. And, you know, year on year, it's been my New Year's resolution for years and, uh, you know, I, I can go into that in more detail if if needed. But the you know, in general, 
every year new year's resolution the year ends and i hadn't done it so once i did actually finish the book it was a big eureka moment for starters because it was it was one hell of a journey like one of the hardest things that i've ever done to actually write a fifty thousand word book but then actually putting it out there was a lot harder than what i thought it would be so initially don't even didn't even think that publishers would be interested I, or didn't even consider looking at that route because i i had became aware of print on demand so kindle got amazon kdp so kindle direct publishing and there's ingram spark there's some really good services that's out there so i ended up getting samples from uh both of them and the quality is okay <laughs> and Obviously, when I when I when I had the first printed copy of my book, and I have it here in my hand, so this was the first one that I got printed. That was a that was quite a magical moment. Like it's it's so surreal to see this thing that you spent like years working on, and you've only ever seen it on your screen to actually like turn a page. It's like this is a book. <laughs> I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's what it feels. Yeah, no, I can imagine. <laughs> it's like I actually made a book. But then when it starts sinking in, I, I read a lot of graphic design books and usually they're from publishers. It's not on the same level. And like some of the pages from Ingram Spark in particular are blurry. And if I got that book, I would send it back because it's just, it's just not good. Like, I mean, it's, it's all right. Amazon KDP has actually been very good quality of the two of them. But again, it's stock, it's all stock material and also it's really expensive. Like in order to make like 50p, the book has to be like 30 pounds something oh. through print on demand. Like literally, it, I, I mean, I haven't done it for money, but literally like, come on, people are paying 30 pounds. I'm only getting 50p. I did. I put so much work into this. And also if I wanted to use the extended reach, so 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 that bookshops and libraries can access it the book would have to be like 40 pounds or more it's like no design books are like 20 quid this is just a stupidly expensive design book nobody wants to spend i mean sure sure people will pay that but nobody really wants to spend that much money on a on a book at least not on a book like this i mean so i did start to look into black and white printing and actually that that's a viable option and I was thinking, like, maybe I could have two versions of the books, like a high quality full color version and a black and white version, which could work. And I, I have designed the covers for it. So basically, there's like a, a black and white edition and a full color edition. Um, so that was one option. But one day, it was, it was really, it was one evening. And bearing in mind that I, I look after my daughter half of my time and, you know, I don't use childcare or, or anything. So I spend half my time with my daughter and then the rest of the time I need to get client work done. So I don't have a lot of free time to just play. So I, I, I got a quote from a printer just to, just out of interest, like how much would this cost to actually use a print company? And the, the costs were a lot lower and it would obviously be higher quality and you could do fancy stuff like embossing and you can have like colored pages. Like you can do a lot more with it when you are getting a bulk lot of printing done. And I don't have the disposable income to buy like, you know, several thousand pounds worth of books. And also that's quite high risk. So I was thinking 
well, maybe I should do it on Kickstarter because I've I've done a podcast about Kickstarter, so I've I've got an understanding about it because I've had an in-depth conversation with somebody about it, and uh, I thought, yeah, okay, I'm going to try that. And literally that same night, like this was literally 10 p.m. I went on, wrote all the content, sorted out all the images, made a video, and I was in a very much done is better than perfect mode, and that that's been my mentality just to finishing off the book, to be honest. I, I literally sat down where I am here, got my got my phone out, made a video, wasn't perfect, but was good enough, put it all together. And I finished it about half one in the morning. And I know it's about that time because that's when the campaign ends at a silly, silly time in the morning. I stuck it on there and I was going to schedule it, but I thought <sighs> live, <laughs> I just literally just pushed it live, then went to bed. <laughs> and 12 hours later, so like I said, I pushed it live about half one in the morning. Next day, woke up. I literally woke up to it nearly fully funded. Uh, I mean, I mean, I I didn't I didn't set a stupidly high goal because with Kickstarter, it's all or nothing. So I worked out, okay, what's the absolute minimum that I need to get in order to just order some copies up nicer than what you can get through print on demand? And you don't really need that much money to do that. So I know that friends and family was interested and you know, a few people that had been following my post, they they said that they would be interested. So as long as I was to sell like twenty five or so copies, yeah, I could, yeah, I could, I could do that. So I set a fairly realistic goal. I was fairly comfortable that I would hit that, but not within twelve hours. And then it doubled in twenty four hours, and um, it's been a sixty day campaign. And it's been it's been a wild ride. Like literally, we're at like eight hundred percent now. I'm aiming for one thousand percent, but it's just grew beyond what I imagined. I've been adding, and I didn't know this about Kickstarter. Basically, once you've hit your goal, generally the interest dies because it's like, oh yeah, it's fully funded. They, they, they people people don't want to support somebody that's already reached that goal. So I found out about stretch goals where you give extra incentives when you hit certain milestones. So I I thought it would be a real stretch to hit five grand. So I thought, right, if we hit that, I'm going to get it, give everyone an audiobook. I want to do the audiobook anyway. And we hit that. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I just, where is this going? Yeah, what am I going to do now? I've, I've literally, I've, I created a list of all these goals. And it's like, I did not think that they would all get ticked off. And it's 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 been very, very exciting. There's also another side to this that I think is worth sharing. So I like progressing. I just want to crack on. I just want to move on. I've had the dream of this book for years. I wanted to finish off, get out there, move on to the next thing. Because I've promised myself I'm not allowed to do anything new until I finish this. Um, so I can't do anything new until this is finished. So I finished writing the book, got to a point where I'm happy, you know, with the exception of proofreading. My my sister offered to help proofread. My uh, friend offered to have a proper read through it and give feedback. So there was this period of time where I'd given it to them, and then it's just like I'm waiting. I can't do anything. Can't promote it. Can't speak about it. Can't. And it's really frustrating <laughs> when you have been working your absolute butt off on it. So like I I I went months of like getting my daughter to sleep and sometimes she sleeps quite late like sometimes it's really hard to get to her to sleep and sometimes I even sleep you know I fall asleep as well so 
I have worked when I've been absolutely worn out and tired, but I've still done it anyway. And it's really frustrating to do that. And then suddenly like, oh, I can't do anything because I'm waiting on other people. So there was an element of that to it that I wanted to make progress. And if I stuck it on Kickstarter, I can carry on doing all this stuff and making progress and promoting it and pushing it and doing everything that, to be quite frank, it's all the exciting stuff that you that you dream of doing when you're going to write a book. But nobody wants to do the hard part. They just want to do all the exciting stuff yeah. afterwards. And there, there was an element to that. But I am so incredibly thankful that I've done the Kickstarter route because you know, I, I think if I, I think if I just stuck it on Amazon, I wouldn't be aggressively pushing it. But because I've got this Kickstarter campaign, I've been able to reach out to people and say, you know, this is ending on Friday. This is, uh, it's ending on Sunday. Um, I've been able to go out to all of my celebrity designer friends and say, can you help me promote this? Can you spread the word? And I don't think I could have done that with just sticking out there because, you know, it's, there's, I think that there's a different psychology to it because with Kickstarter, people are like, oh, I want to support Ian. But when it's a book, it's like, ah, you're just giving you your money. You know, there, there's a different, there's a different psychological, psychological thing to it. So I've had this real like boom of being able to count down the days. I, I, I'm basically spamming my community quite heavily, which I'm kind of looking forward to not doing that because I feel a bit guilty for doing it. But People can see why I'm doing it because I've got the Kickstarter yeah. counted down. We're building up to this big event. All the like, all of the design community, all the big, they are sharing it, and it's great. And you know, sharing it in emails and stuff like this. So, I don't think it would have as much of as much exposure if I went the other route because I feel like I feel like anyone that's paying attention in the design space will know about my book. Like every single designer that's spending any time online, which is kind of scary <laughs> but i know that once i do actually release this book properly people will recognize that they're like oh yeah i was meaning to buy that yeah. book and i think it will help with everything long term and have the the impact that i i wanted it to well i love the way you've gone about it i think kickstarter is a really interesting and exciting way to do it and i think for me it's the perfect example of with audience comes opportunity because you have an audience, Kickstarter just makes so much sense for you. Kickstarter doesn't promote it. Just, you know, for people that's listening, you put it on there, you have to do all the promotion on your yeah. own. So it's not like a, a build it and they will come. Mm -hmm. You can get lucky, but I think it's easier to build a movement around a launch of that kind of thing using mm -hmm. that kind of vehicle mm -hmm. because it's almost gamified and everybody can play. And everybody oh, can absolutely. play a part. They can absolutely. participate. Absolutely. I think I think uh, people that back the project quite early on, they're quite. I, I feel this. I feel the excitement from them joining in the journey and seeing. Oh, now I'm getting this. Now I'm getting that. Now I'm getting that because you know I woke up this morning and we we hit the 800% stretch goal. So now everybody gets a pencil as well. You know, it's 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 small things. You know, obviously when when there are more books being purchased there's obviously i can reduce the price of it slightly so I've, I've you know got maybe a pound per issue or whatever yeah. to add some extra things on and it, you know i've i've been adding some fun things on there like originally um you know i was just thinking oh we can have badges and bookmarks and maybe i'll do a like one of literally one of the things i added was like a a form and i was thinking like after i posted it, it's like that is the most 
boringest thing ever to shout out about. So I came up with the idea and, and I, I kind of just experimented with chat G, G, uh, GPT with the idea of doing like a movie script. <laughs> and I mean, somebody said it as a joke about some, somebody said, oh, like when's, when's the uh, Logo Geek movie coming out? And I think they meant a movie about me, which oh. is really weird. But I'm making, I'm literally putting together as one of the stretch goals, a movie inspired around logo design, but it would be based, but it would be based on a lot of my favorite films. So, so the main plot of it will be something similar to like Bill and Ted. (laughs) And I've actually been thinking of building up to something real. (laughs) So, you know, anybody that does actually spend the time to sit down and read that movie script might have a surprise at the end of it. (laughs) Something I'll I'll work something out. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm looking at the time. (laughs) You have been very generous with your time, but we should probably come close to wrapping things up. I've learned a lot. You're always somebody that I watch online. I really admire. And I just love the way you do business. So thank you for that. If people want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about you, how can they do that? How would you like them to do that? Sure. So probably the easiest thing to do, if you search anything Logo Geek online, I'm consistent across the board. In terms of social platforms, I'm probably most active now on Threads. I, I really like what what Meta have done with with Threads. It's a, it's a really nice platform. But yeah, literally on anything: Facebook, Threads, Twitter, X. Don't don't even know what to call it anymore. <laughs> yeah, a, anything, whatever you know. Find search for Logo Geek. You'll find me. I'm always open to answering questions and connecting with new people. But just search for either Ian Padgett or, or Logo Geek and. And you'll find me, hopefully. <laughs> and in my final question, the one I ask every guest right at the end, and normally they get some warning, you didn't. What's one thing you do now <laughs> that you wish you'd started five years ago? I wish I finished my book earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I, think- I mean, I did. I did start it years ago, but I, I wish I started the daily routine because I found writing a book really hard. And, and originally I was thinking, I'm going to just write blogs. And because I was writing blogs, it meant that I was just writing one blog every few months. And, and that just doesn't work. You, you need consistent daily routine in order to do that. And in a way, I, I wish I did that sooner. I think I had enough experience back then to have done that. I don't know. Everything's falling into place at the right time. So it's not, I don't know if this is the right thing to say. But yeah, I guess, you know, that daily active writing I wish I did that sooner. I think that's something that I hear quite often from people who have written books is that often it's been on the table for a very long time and the regret kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until the point where they do it. And then they think now it's a habit and it just, it's a transformative habit. It doesn't oh, yeah, stop absolutely. when the book's written. There's always something that happens. I, I have a bugging me. This is not my first book. Hmm. It's really, it's really funny because my weakness as a child, teenager, was writing and speaking. <laughs> and now my strength is writing and speaking. <laughs> so I feel like, I feel like I have a lot of books in me and this is the, the first of many because I know how to do it now. I know what that process looks like. I know it's incredibly hard, but it's so rewarding like it's a really horrible process to go through, but once you come out the other end, it's like, 
I did it. I actually did it. I did it. I did it. I did it. And something I really can't wait for, and I think I mentioned this prior to hit and record, everybody that backs the book, I'm going to put in some leaflet or something. I might even put like a cut out pair of glasses or something. I'm going to ask everybody to send me a photo of themselves with the book. And I'm going to put that, all of those pictures. So it would be like 200 people holding my book in a frame. And that will remind me of, you know, people that supported me and, and, and did that. And it's definitely, I definitely have the writing bug. And I can't see it going away. <laughs> well, Ian, I can't wait to see the book. I am going to go and get on Kickstarter and get it ordered. Thank you. And hopefully you can help me reach that 1000%. That's, that's the dream. We're at just over 800% now. On this poster picture that I want to put on my wall, I want to be able to say 1000% funded. So if anyone can help me to fulfill that dream, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, hopefully that will happen. Ian, you've been great fun. Can't wait to speak to you again. Maybe even see you in you person too. at some point soon. But for now, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me and thank you to anyone that's that's watched through this. So for you at home, that does bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you for listening. And if you did enjoy the show, then I would invite you to leave a five-star review. That's five stars, not four or three or two or one. Again, if you are new to the show, then take a second to subscribe. And if you're a regular listener, then consider sharing the show with just one person. This is the very best way to help me grow the show. If you did enjoy the show, then you will also love the personal brand business roadmap. It's over 50 pages of everything you will need to start, scale, or just fix your expert business. It's yours for free as a gift from me. Just visit amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap and follow the instructions. Thanks again for watching. Thank you, Ian, for your time and see you next week.